Welcome to Granite Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lynn, and today we have a very special guest by the name of Chris Plurd. He is a conscious performance coach. He has worked with top athletes, well-known companies, celebrities, moms, dads, and even military special ops. As a former master trainer and presenter, he created and presented content both nationally and internationally on on the mental and physical aspects of training for peak performance in all areas of life. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I wanted to start off by um, just getting to know more of your story. So how did you come across um, wanting to wanting this to be your profession? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I, I really, as a, as a kid, a lot of what was embedded in me was, you know, you have to get that corporate job that has good benefits and pays you well and has a, a structure to it, therefore you're going to be happy. And, you know, a lot of what, what I've done is kind of make my life in the early years um, moving towards success, thinking that, oh, if, if I do what this person told me, or if my uncle or my mom, or then can I reach this level of, of success, then I'm going to be happy. And so I, I went to school, uh, played football, teach um, uh, track, and actually in co- uh, college is where I started taking yoga for the first time, which was the hardest thing ever when I first took it, and I was like, I need this in my life. Um, and then I got a business degree. Uh, I interned at Walt Disney World, Disney University. I worked mm-hmm. for a company such as Xerox, Kinefine's Rent-A-Car, I did medical device sales, and, you know, and those, they're great companies, but what I found was that that wasn't my calling. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And being a a teacher and an instructor and really serving and helping people reach their goals was one of the most fulfilling things I could think of. You know, I always, no matter how hard I might inner, you know, self tried to to fight, oh, you have to do this, you you gotta you gotta take the job with this company, you gotta do this and everything on paper looked fantastic. But inside I really looked in the mirror and really, really looked into my soul. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't what my calling was. And, and, and I think for a lot of people, they, they get confused on what they think someone else's success or idea of success is and happiness is. Yeah. And when they really look at it and they say, oh, hey, this is what my soul's calling out for. This is what my heart like. This is what brings me joy. And they start to listen to that voice. Then the freedom starts to really come out within themselves. They really start to feel like, oh, this is my purpose. This is why I'm here on this earth. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I need to be doing what I'm doing right now. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, to be able to like follow your heart and everything, I feel like that's like what I'm working on on myself right now. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm a teacher. Well, I was a teacher, and then I quit <clears throat> And so right now I'm kind of in that, like what you were talking about, like following my heart and seeing like where, um, right. where that leads. So that's where, where I'm at right now. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask. Wait, how were you an elementary school teacher? You said. Um, yeah, I did elementary what? for, for a bit and then I did middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, so like half and half. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. So for me, it was really scary to just say, okay, I'm going to quit teaching because I, d- I did really like it, but it was 
like you said, like not exactly like where my heart was. Um, and so I wanted to know like how it was for you, like going from corporate to then starting your, your own coaching, coaching business. Like how was that, that jump for you? Well, you know, it's funny. It's kind of what I just, what I always have done and gravitated towards. It's like those things I think that are really simple for us, um, are, are, are what we tend to turn our backs on a lot of the times because we have tendency, a lot of us have tendency to think we have to suffer through something in order to, in order to make it meaningful, in order to go, hey, you're, if you're going to earn this amount of money, then you got to really pay your dues and you got to suffer a lot and, and go through this. And, and that's not the case. You know, I think we have this idea that suffering is. You know, I worked a lot of jobs. Um, in my life, and sometimes multiple days, I would pave in the morning for my my uncle's pavement company workout, and then go do a seven or eight hour shift as a waiter at night. And mm-hmm. I was like, and, and, and having that understanding of work ethic is like that. I had great work ethic, but I didn't realize. You know, my grandfather said, "Work smarter, not harder." You know, be in that place where how can you not only work hard so you feel fulfilled, but also be balanced in your life. I thought there was just one way of doing it in a profession, and, and, and that wasn't the case. And so how I came into, um, originally it was fitness and, and presenting um, for different companies around the world, I was just, I would teach classes like spinning yoga I would just I loved the fact that I could be in a room and watch people have an experience have a journey in that room mm-hmm. and and I would do that and I became pretty high level at, at what I was doing and you know 15 years ago I was I was doing really well I was working private bank making six digits and my wife got pregnant with my son and I was like oh wait a minute that old limiting belief came back of you need to go back into corporate. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you've been taught. That was, that was like 20 something years of programming that was told mm-hmm. to me. And so I was like, maybe I do. I should listen to that voice. Even though you're doing really well, go back into corporate. Go, what's the highest paying sales job you can get? And the fact of the matter it was, it was, uh, medical device sales. And, and, um, I was, I talked to my wife. I was like, well, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, I'll go. I'll support whatever you choose. And so I ended up landing a job in, in medical device sales out of fear, out of money. That was my main drivers. I went into it for the purpose of, oh my God, I'm going to be a dad. And what I didn't realize is I looked at it, I was doing really well, but I thought I needed to do even better and better and better and better. And I could have done that in my career. So after about a year of being in medical device, I said, what is teach my kids, if I could teach them one thing, what would I want to leave them with? The answer was, follow your heart, you know, and how could I say that, follow your heart, if I wasn't doing it, if I was getting sucked dry, if I was, like, not being fulfilled in what I was doing, because it was a cool job being in OR and stuff, but it wasn't what really filled my soul, mm-hmm. and so I went back into the fitness industry, and then slowly it transitioned into coaching for all areas. I started working with different companies, I clients that were like, can you work with my sales team? And can you work with my executive team? Can you do this? And, and slowly it became working with organizations. 
And then it became working with men's teams and organizations. And then taking a lot of what the, the, the essence of what we're trying to do, what we get taught in yoga and, and, and what we get taught in, in meditation and, and, and being open and vulnerable. And I was able to bring that into, into my teachings. And so it became this not only just health and wellness, but professional, personal, spiritual, and financial, the five areas of your life that we get to focus on. So when I coach somebody now, I look at all those areas and how can we get you performing at your very best in all five areas. Wow, yeah. And so, like, so it says that you, um, that you work with companies. So are they, how are they, uh, like, accepting, uh, like, the spirituality aspect of it? <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> That's a great question. Because, you know, you're working with a lot. I think I think our governments and executives and CEOs and what we call, um, quote-unquote, leadership right now needs a big overhaul, mm-hmm. a huge overhaul in the world. Mm-hmm. I think what leadership is and what we see on TV and in these organizations, leadership to me is doing what is authentic and real to you. Is, is not asking somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Is, is, is having someone grow alongside of you, right? Not just for the growth of one person or a couple people, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. It comes from the inner essence of, of who we are, right? And then yeah. being, and that word vulnerability and authenticity has to come first and foremost. And I think when you can show that, it gives other people permission to do it as well. So leadership is about example. It's not about a title. It's about being the best version of yourself you can be. And I really truly believe that. And um, what we're trying to do is break down the masks and the, and, the, and the layers that so many people put on in this world, mm-hmm. you know, because they thought that that's what they had to be for somebody else, right? Somebody told them they needed to be like this. And, and the fact of the matter is when you get them and you get to work with them one-on-one and you ask them how fulfilled are they, like, truly, let's get real. Like, in your whole life, one to ten, what's your fulfillment? And they say five or six. You're like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. If you're a five or six all the time and you're not fulfilled, but you have millions of dollars in the day, mm-hmm. that's okay that you have that money, but how... Can you be the best version of you? How can you be the best dad you can be or the best mother you can be? How can you be the best version of yourself at work if you're only a five or six? You're only given half of half of that. So you're showing up at about a two or three because you have all these other areas. The rest, you need to be buying at a nine or ten. How do we get you there? Right? And start paying attention to that aspect. Look at yourself first. Right, fill your cup up first, and then you have the instincts and the senses and everything to be able to give to others the best version of your soul you can. Hmm. So I have heard of the like the bucket analogy. Do you know that one? Where like you put a little bit of you know, yourself tell- in your bucket. Um. So how? Tell me about it. Remind me again. Oh, okay. Um. So kind of like what you were saying that. If you're, you're only giving work like to because you have to you have all these other aspects of your life that you need to devote to, so it's kind of like you're running your bucket dry is the analogy that you're giving right. too much Correct. and you don't have anything left for yourself and you can't fill from an empty cup. 
So how, so I know it's probably like a loaded question, but like, what would be like the beginning steps to, to fill all these buckets and feel fulfilled so that you do still have some more left over for yourself to take care of you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the first step, I think, is looking at all of those areas I mentioned in your life. Like I said, once again, it's professional, personal, spiritual, health, and financial. And taking a good look at all those and saying, okay, where am I not firing at a 9 or 10? Where is my bucket not full? And putting a number to that and getting real. Like the hardest part of moving forward in your life is, first of all, getting real and getting present with where you are right now. Acceptance of where you are is the hardest thing. Hardest thing. Like, let's embrace where we are right now. Okay? Because you can't do anything. Like, unless you look in the mirror, unless you really say, this is where I'm at, then you're not going to move. You're just going to keep making up lies and, and moving and, and bringing things in that aren't necessarily um, doing you any good. It's going to be a cover up after a cover up. So, mm-hmm. so the first step would be numbering those things. And then we'll look at the priorities of, of how we're operating. Right? In those areas. So, health and wellness. Well, you're only working out once a week. Well, that's not going to get you where you need to go because you don't not, you just, you don't necessarily have the energy that you need to. Right? Or, you're working out eight times, nine times a week and you're working out way too much and you're running on fumes and your adrenals are tapped. So how do we balance that out? Right? So you get both, you get both worlds. Right? You're, you're, you go into financial. You go, you're in scarcity first. You're running on fumes every single month, a month, a month if you're working with somebody like that. How do we get you so you, your bucket is you get this little safety net so you can start operating from a place of yeah, I'm going to take a couple risks here and that's okay because I have some backup. Then we can look at personal relationships, right? How intimate are you? And what I mean by intimacy is how real are your conversations with people, right? How real are the uh, and, and fulfilled are you in a, in a talk with somebody? You're talking sports all the time. Are you really just just looking at at, at the real conversations, like the conversations you have on here, like the, talking about the growth of our soul and how we can be better humans and 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 so on and so forth. And and we really start to eliminate. And I know you mentioned earlier boundaries. Well, boundaries aren't just for taking taking people out of your life. It's so that you can live those those goals and, and dreams that you have, right? Boundaries are coming from a loving place. And when we set those boundaries up and say, you know what? No, this is where I'm going, right? These are the things that I'm looking at, and I'm going to start to eliminate the things that are sucking me dry. Then we can move forward, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we do discover those things and we say, where do I want to be in three years? Where do I want to be in five? Really name that aspect, like like emotionally, where do you want to be, right? Not even materialistic. Let's okay, you want to live in this place or that place or have this house, whatever. Great, but I'm looking at the emotional aspect. When you wake up on a Monday morning, are you excited to get out of bed for what you have lying in front of you, or are you dreading it? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you coming into Friday exhausted, wanting to sleep in on a Saturday morning, or are you? filled up because of all the amazing challenges you've got to learn from. So if we can look at that to start with, set up some boundaries, get clear on where we're going, establish your, you know, 
values. What are your values? Right? I mean, there's such a, it's so fun for me. I, I love doing this for clients because it's just like, I can see it really clearly. And, you know, and I love to throw up the whiteboard and just say, this is where your life could be. And now, how can you start to make a limit to eliminate these things and add these beautiful things in? And then you become, you know, your, your, your diversity of yourself you always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what this is all about. It's, it's, we get to play in the playground we were meant to play in, in this game called life. Yeah. So, like, it, I think that's great advice. Like, I wrote it down and everything because I want to go and, and see, like, what numbers I put for everything. But what would you say for somebody who wasn't, like, as excited like I am to go and do this? Like, how could we, like, help, like, our spouse or our parents or to, like, to get to that point to even want to lay out and see? Well, that's, that's awesome. Did you say how could we help our spouse or our parents do this? Yeah, like to motivate them, I guess, or to have them. Like you said, it's hardest to accept where you are. So mm-hmm. how could we... I know we can't, like, force them, like, no. accept this, but mm-hmm. how could we maybe help them? The, the, how you help them is by helping yourself first. Mm. That's plain and simple. You... But one of the biggest lessons I've learned, you know, um, is... I can't want it more for my clients or my family members more than they want it for themselves, right? I can't tell you how many family members or friends reached out to me and said, hey, can I really love to get in shape or I want to shift careers or I want to do this. And I say, great, here's what I'm going to have you do. So if you're losing weight, write down your food for a week, everything you've eaten at the time you eat. First and foremost, or... I want you to schedule a meeting with, um, I want you to line these things up, you know, look at the major time, major things that have happened to you in your life, right? And what lessons did you learn from those, right? So you give them some tasks or some things to do. And mm-hmm. then this is how I lean them up. Because 99% of the people that ask me for help, that we don't have some sort of exchange going, don't do, they, they don't take the, they don't take the action. So, the, the the thing is, what's really important is there needs to be an exchange of some sort. And then a lot of times it's a financial exchange. And again, I know you're not going to charge your mom for getting <laughs> fit or giving her advice, but I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been frustrated with people in my past, way in my past, because they're taking up my time because I want to give to them. And then they don't, they don't do the things that they, that they're, that they, I ask them to do. So what I ask them first is do these things, and then let's take it to the next step, and then take it to the next step, and then and and, and if they do when they can meet those challenges, that's fulfilling for me because I see that they're going to do it. And what I ask in return for payment is they do this for somebody else later on in life. That's with family and close friends, right? Yeah. But when it comes down to having someone that you really want to get sober. Right, for example, mm-hmm. and and they keep drinking. It gets to a point where you can use anger, you can use fear, you can you know, have compassion, you can do this, you can do that. But in the end, all you can do is love them because they are on their own journey, their soul's journey. They're doing what they need to do for them, and 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 you can be there when they need you. You can love them, but you can't do it for them. Mm-hmm. you cannot do it for them. It's like um, the analogy of the butterfly, right? The butterfly is coming out of the cocoon, 
and you see the struggle that's happening with the butterfly. And so you want to help that butterfly come out. So you take your pocket knife and you cut that cocoon for the, for the, for the butterfly. And you say, come on out, come on out. You're free now. Go fly. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the butterfly dies mm-hmm. because part of the struggle of coming out of the cocoon is building that strength, building that tenacity so that he or she can fly. So that he, they have that strength to, to, to take on the winds, to, to the trees, for their cats to try to jump up and get them, whatever it is, right? But if you take that, that ability away from them where they're not able to find their own inner fight, then you're doing them a disservice. And so is there, is there a difference between pleasing, right? Doing it for them and making them like me, like me, and serving them. Serving them is, is doing the uncomfortable thing, but knowing that they're going to benefit eventually when they're ready from it in the future. Yeah. But when they're ready, that's the thing. But love them. Love the hell out of them. <laughs> that's all you can offer. And be compassionate. That's it. And I'll give you an example, right? My, I talked about drinking, but my dad, you know, he still drinks. Both my parents are alive. I love him. But there was a time when he would pick up again, and I'd be so frustrated. Oh, my heart would sink. And I watched what alcohol did to him, or what's doing to him and, and my family, and how it, there's, a, there's a huge struggle there, right, with it. Yeah. But I can't be the one to save him. I can love him. I can be there when he needs me. And that's it. He's going to change and stop when he's ready to, if he's ready. And he might not be. And that's emotionally what I had to prep myself for. It's not blocking him out. It's just, it's protecting, you know, so it doesn't come to my family where that or where my kids see that as an example. All they can see is me being a son to him and loving him and say, hey, this is your choice, but I really want you to stop. But when you're ready, so. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. Um, it's It's like, I feel like it's a lot easier said than done but I think it's just having that mindset going in especially with parents um I think that's mm. like the, the best thing you know what you're you're right it is a lot easier said than done um but I think that's part of our work right is mm. is it comes around and at first when you're dealing with it it's so hard and so like gut-wrenching and, and heart-wrenching but then it comes around again and it's like okay here we see it. It's a little less. And then it comes around again. Okay, a little bit less. It never goes away. It just, it, it, it helps you strengthen your emotional tolerance as well. Mm-hmm. So it, we weren't put on this life in this earth to, to live in easy lives. And, and, and most people think we do. But if you have the courage to sit with those emotions, sit with your emotions, right? Like, again, you know, being in, a, in, in something that's, that's hard, Physically, sitting with that and finding the calm within that intensity is part of the work. You know, that's why we do some workouts or stress our bodies or meditate or breath work, whatever the case may be, so we can find that calm within the crazy energy that's going on around us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's all we can do, like I said earlier. Be our, take care of ourselves first. Be the best versions of ourselves first. Then we get to give that to our loved ones and, and, and clients and everyone else we're serving. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
So you mentioned like having to, like the different ways that we can use to help control our emotions because I feel like that's one of like the hardest parts about it. And you mentioned breath work and so I wanted to know more, like I have an idea of what breath work is, but I don't really know exactly what it is. So mm. if you could talk about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you what breath work was for me at first. When I first, I was teaching meditation in a studio here in Santa Monica. And then I saw this breath work. I was like, well, I'm going to take this. What is this? And so it's a holotropic active breathing class that lasts about 45 minutes. You're actively breathing for about 30 or so, 30, 35. And what it's doing is it's moving oxygen, CO2 through your body. It's removing, it's getting into the places that have stuck energy. It's getting into the tissues of the body. So they say the issues are in the tissues. And so when you're breathing that deeply, a lot of the layers that you put on get taken off. And so there's a lot of emotions that come along with that. And what it does is it kind of reveals your soul. It reveals your truth. And there was such a sense of calm and peace when I first took breath work and such a, uh, an authentic version of me that kind of just busted out. But I was like, the first thing I said is I have to teach this. Mm. This is amazing. And I've been, you know, on this journey about five years of teaching breath work, you know, before that. And it was just one of these things that I was, I, I was destined to teach. I just knew it from the first class that, um, that this was, this was something that I had to share because it's too good not to. And, and now what I've seen, so some people will have you know, mystical experiences. Some people have physical experiences, emotional experiences, remembrance of childhood trauma or beautiful memories that might come up, things that remind them. I just had a girl yesterday in a retreat I was doing that was like, I just forgave. In the middle of it, she came out and she was just deep in. She goes, I just forgave my ex-husband. Like, I, I forgave him. I truly forgave him for what? for what that marriage was. And it was like so freeing for her. And even though he didn't, she didn't say, I forgive you to him yet, which she just said, she had to drop something off here, literally. She just said, I'm going to, I got to figure out a way of saying it to him now. I go, yeah, it's for, for, for you. He might not hear it, but there's such freedom because if we're not forgiving, we're holding on to anger, right? And a lot of that, it's not just, I mean, there's so many other ways we can go into breath work, but that's just one of them. And um, it's been a real game changer in a big, big way for myself and a lot of my clients. Wow, yeah. So do you teach, um, is it like a class, like multiple people, or is it like a one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching um, through, like I'll do a, a little coaching session with the breathwork and the logic integration at the end. Um, and I teach also a group class once a week through um, Thursdays, specific time at 12 noon um, through Unplug, and then there's another studio, Calm Nest, that I teach through too, but you can find my website, I have it, and I have a free one on my website if you want to go and try a 30-minute um, uh, one on my website as well, so just for anybody that's looking to explore, okay, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that um, breathwork is a way to release like this unwanted um, energy because I was just talking about this yesterday that um, that we have 
just like how we intake food and water that we need to release. We take like the good stuff and then we have to release what's no, that doesn't serve us anymore. And so the same thing goes with energy. And so it's so cool that now that I'm learning about breath work, I feel like that's a way that we can release because I feel like that's one of the reasons why we get angry or upset or even like cranky because we have this um, energy in us that we need to get rid of. So are there other ways mm-hmm. that we can get rid of um, energy? Other ways of getting rid of the releasing yeah, sorry, energy that we no longer need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. Oh, do you, I? I asked if there are other ways to get rid of energy that we no longer need. Oh yes, for sure. So exercise is a huge one, right? Um, that's I think one of the most. Um, I think people get into exercise because they think, oh, I need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And how I look at it right now is I, I love exercise because it fills me up to be the best version of myself for all areas. And when you can really go into those either intense sessions or a yoga session or whatever it is, you know, whatever's calling your name, whatever you're drawn to, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's what you love to do. Swimming, running, um, that's a huge energy release. Um, meditation itself, right? You know, and I know it's hard for a lot of people to sit in meditation because they're like, oh, I got too many thoughts. Well, the fact of the matter is we have about 70,000 thoughts to go through our minds every single day. And when we can recognize those thoughts and say, that's not me, that's just a thought, and see that, that every time we see that, it just makes us a little stronger. So we get to center on the senses in our bodies. And that's a very calming way of doing things. Um, another way of relieving, um, getting rid of energy is writing, you know, writing down anything. I'd write two, three pages in the morning just to get out on paper what's going on within me. And it's such a cathartic way of, of, of starting your day or going into the middle of your day, you know, just you're, you're upset with something or somebody or a situation. Just write about it. Like, a, just be free with it. Whatever comes up, just put it down on paper. So those are just a few, a few things that, that you could do. I mean, there's thousands, thousands more, but those are just a few. Okay. Yeah. Those are, yeah, those are all great. Um, yeah. Cause like I said, I had just thought about like how to do this. So, but yeah, so that's great. Uh-huh. Uh, so I also wanted to ask about, um, creating balance. So we talked a little bit about with the, um, the different like, buckets that I had mentioned, but mm-hmm. with balance, um, I feel like when you are dealing um, like with something that's stressful that's going on, like with going back to like the bucket analogy, it'd be like you have to put, you have uh, to put more into one because of whatever's going on in your life. So is there a way to uh-huh. still create balance when you have to give more to one aspect of your life than another in the other aspects? Totally. Yeah. I gave an example. Um, an old teacher of mine did this, you know, when he was writing a book, First of all, I think it's being conscious and mindful of what what the situation is. So um, he, he was writing a book. He had a deadline. So he, he basically told his wife, he goes, look, I'm going to get this book done in two months, and I'm going to be in the you know in my office five, six days a week, and I'm going to get this done. So obviously he enrolled his wife in doing that, but he said, bye because he had kids as well. When we're done, when I'm done with this in two months, we're going to go on a two-week, three-week vacation, um, and we're going to spend all our time just to make up for that time. 
So, so balance is, is this tricky thing. It's like, yes, are there times when we need to devote uh, all of our energy to a specific project or, or a book or, you know, if one of our loved ones is sick or something like that? Yeah, of course. But it's like, what do you do to, to, to overturn that? You know, like if I do a weekend retreat and I'm gone for three days, and I didn't do this before, by the way. I was very, I was my, I'd have to dip into the well. My well was very not balanced. I mean, I would, I would teach an all day seminar for six, eight hours, but I'd still teach a class in the morning and then do that workshop all day long. I mean, I get to the end of the day, I was just toast. And then I'd work the next day. Mm-hmm. So like when I have a three day retreat now, I make sure that, you know, I'm taking Monday, maybe Tuesday off to regenerate my soul, to spend a little more time with my kids, you know, so that I'm not overdoing it and not going to this hyper-achiever mode that I can do it all every second. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's it's just looking at the big picture of, okay, I know this is what I'm going to be putting out. How am I going to recharge? How am I going to bring myself back to this? You know, if I'm not going to get enough to work out, you know, think of it as like an event, you know, when you do an athletic event, you need to recuperate in some way, shape or form. So look at the big picture of it all. Like ask yourself what you need. You got this, you got the answer. Every one of us, we have to keep our wisdom. You should start trusting a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have, yeah, like you said, like we have to like trust ourselves a little more. So like, um, yeah. how, how do we start building trust within ourselves? Mm-hmm. I think you got to ask for it. You know, it's just, it's listening to those instincts within ourselves and making those moves and understanding that it's not about being perfect. Being perfect isn't, isn't something, you'd be bored if you were perfect. You'd be lonely if you were perfect because nobody would be able to relate to you. So mm-hmm. trusting yourself is understanding that you will fall. No doubt. Success and, and failure run parallel. But it's how do you come up from that failure? What do you learn from, from, from that fall? Do you wear that scar proudly or are you trying to hold it back and, and not show anybody that you fell? People want to see that you're not this invincible superhero. They want to see that you have some scars. That, that, that's where the inspiration comes from that you can, you can go down and get right back up. You know, Mike, I say this, I've used this analogy so many times, but look at kids riding bikes, right? They fall and fall and they get up and get up and get up and they keep getting up. And I tell my kids, you know, when you fall, what do you do? And they go, get right back up, right? And that's what I tell my clients too. We're going to fall. It's inevitable. You have to. If you don't, you're not taking big risks. But getting back up and saying, you know what? There's my goal. That's my mountain. I'm going to continue to ascend. I'm going to continue to be in action, move forward. Yeah. I feel like that's like so much for me to process right now because I feel like that's like what I need to to learn more about about finding to like like you were saying like take more risks because you're right that means that I'm not taking um enough risks because I guess I am afraid to fall. Like as you were talking I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like all yeah. me right now. <laughs> yeah, I I would ask why. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is it your your what is the fear getting in your way from taking that? that jump. Yeah. I think, like, just myself. <laughs> and I guess. Mm-hmm. About what, though? 
mm-hmm. if you don't mind me going there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, um, well, I'm a first, I'm the firstborn. And so I feel like all the responsibility has always been on me. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm like the glue of my family. Not just, I don't think they tell me I'm the glue of the family. So like, I feel like I always like, have to like appear to be perfect for everybody. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's like one of the reasons why I, I guess I don't, because I, I feel like I've always been an overachiever, but it's always been things that I, I knew that would be okay. And yeah. the first thing that um like kind of scared me was buying a house and so we um we just my husband and I just bought this house um and I feel like I maybe I wouldn't have gone through with it if he wasn't there with me because before I even met him I started the process and then I chickened out and I didn't even go through the process of of buying a home and so I feel like he's the one that like pushes me to be like it's okay like if we if we fail we fail together so yeah well it's a beautiful thing to have mm-hmm. you know is to have that support and i think we are meant to do it with others and, and support each other in our growth you know but you know you mentioned something earlier about being perfect you know for the support of your family you know mm-hmm. that's that's the pressure we put on ourselves but what an amazing thing is if, if it did if you did take that fall and you got right back up again and you said, okay, we're going to find a way. That's tenacity, right? Mm -hmm. And and again, that perfection and that pressure we put on ourselves is the pressure we put on ourselves. Not what the family does, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's their projection most of the time that brings us to a place of, oh no, I can't do this. You know, think about where those lessons came from. Right, most of those lessons came from people's or those those ideas of what success is came from someone else's fear of falling or failing. Right, your parents project on what they didn't get, so they're trying to teach you to do it in a different way. Right, but they're and where are they coming from? Are they coming from you can get to that mountain, or we don't want you to fall? Yeah. And that's programming we get to change within ourselves. First, we've got to recognize and accept it and know where it came from. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. we get to move with it and hold it and feel it and love it, by the way, because that's a part of us. And then say, if we get, if we want to, this might have gotten me to where I am right now, but is it going to get me to where I want to go in the future? What's that different path you need to take? Mm-hmm. Wow, you're like it's like you feel like you're opening me up, but but yeah, that's like exactly like how I feel. Like I didn't even realize that this is how I felt until just now <laughs> with um, falling. Um, but yeah, you're a hundred percent like spot on because when I quit teaching, um, so I quit for like six months when I went to get my PhD, but then it was kind of like what you were saying when the beginning, when you got a little nervous and then went back to corporate. So I got a little nervous. I'm like, no, I have to go back to teaching. And so now I finished all my coursework for my PhD, but I just cannot get myself to write the dissertation. I just, it's been a year now and I'm like, oh, it's because it's because of COVID. Like I have to focus on other things, but I think it actually is the fear of, of falling 
And because my parents were not supportive at all when I decided to get my PhD. So that was like the whole point of, of saying that, that they are always about like, oh, like being a teacher, that's a steady job, like stay there. And so they were not supportive right. at all when I decided to like branch out. That's right. So they worry less. Yeah. And, and so let me, and so when they worry less, they've done their job and they can be a little fear. But it's, it's our job to, it's as parents, as I'm a parent, right? I have two kids, mm-hmm. 15 and nine. And they're going to, they're going to make mistakes. And my job is to hold space for them. It's to, for me, this is what I've learned, is to be the, the bank to my daughter's river. Not to be the dam, but to be the bank, mm. right? To, to challenge my son enough that he's prepared for life, but love the hell out of him, mm. right? And, and, and when parenting, again, we're doing the work on ourselves so that our parents, we're undoing a lot of what's been done unconsciously by our parents because they have an idea because they didn't know any better. They did the best jobs of the truth they had and love them no matter what. But now we get to undo that programming. We get to face our fears that they might have not had the tools to do on their own. So I ask, what is that in you, right? That, that First of all, what is that dream you have? Where in five years do you want to be? Well, um, right now, like with uh, right now, I'm only doing the podcast um, with Grounded Spirits, but um, I'm in the process of starting like my own like Etsy store with along with it, and so like that's what's been like really scary. And like I said, I don't think I would be able to even do this without my husband's support. Um, but in five years, I hope to um, be an author and put out some books. Like that was the reason why I started the PhD, and I just haven't finished it. But, um, but yeah, so in five years, I want this to actually be like a store, like a brick and mortar store, not just an online store and to, to write. Mm-hmm. That last part just broke up. Can you repeat that? Oh, I said, so just to have like a brick and mortar store instead of just an online and then to be able to write. So I just, I love writing. Mm, and what's your PhD on? In education. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty open-ended. And so com- completing this dissertation, what would that give you? What kind of, what, at the end of that, when you, when you are, when you have that, what is that going to give to your soul? Yeah, so that's the thing, is that I don't think it's going to really give me anything because the reason why I wanted to get into the the PhD program was to become a professor and become an author. But now I'm realizing I don't need to be a professor to be an author. I can just be an author. And so even last night, as I was reading through abstracts of different articles, I couldn't get myself to do it when I was like, oh, I have to do this for my dissertation. When I did it, like, oh, I just want to learn more about if my PhDs, I mean, my dissertation is going to be on imagination. I'm like, oh, I just want to learn more about imagination. And then I was able to get through like 60 different abstracts last night. And that has never happened in the course of the last two years. So just like reframing it helped me so much just yesterday. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Have you, have you read, um, untethered soul no it's on my my christmas list for my family to buy it is it <laughs> yeah, and um yeah. what's his other book um michael singer 
his, he has one more book that's amazing. It talks about his journey, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but it's so similar to you and his path of wanting to follow his inner wisdom and what he created by trusting his 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 life. It's the other book to Uncharted, so I'm drawing a blank right now. I'll, I'll think about it probably when we're done here. But in that, it's, it's you know, and nobody's going to give you the answers. You have the answers to what, what's calling you, right? Mm-hmm. But if that's your dream, what you're saying, right, and, and what's bringing you joy, you know, that's that's the answer. You know, and, and who knows, maybe getting, you know, finishing his PhD is something that might give you more credibility to being an author or not, you know, but that's for you to decide, you know, but you know what's going to bring you freedom. You know at this point right now from what you have, what's going to bring you happiness or what sounds exciting to you. And I think that's that's our soul's calling is what's exciting, what's joy. It's like uh, the Maria Kondo, you know, version of what brings you joy. You know, people go, what's my direction? Well, look at your gifts. Look at your gifts. Look at your passions that you have. And then use those to be in service. Mm-hmm. Right? That's your inner GPS. Gifts, purpose, passions, and service. Yeah, gifts. What was that? Gifts, passions, and what was the last one? Sorry. And service. And being service. in service. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So you would say that what brings you joy is like helping others, like with um, your coaching business. So is that like is that like that oh. simple? No, yes. no, not that you're um, simple, but just like for anybody to come up with their own, it's it's it that easy. Is what I'm trying to say. Say that again. Repeat that one more time. Sorry. Oh, sorry that um that is it when you're like looking at like what to do with your with your life. Is it that simple to come up with that, just like helping others and then in just what form we want to help others? Right. I I think it first of all comes down to to looking at yourself first and say, what is it that that I love for me? You know, what are those things that that are going to fill me up first, right? And, And are there parts of your life that you don't quite own yet? I have a workshop called Owning Your Story. And can we look, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but can you look at all those situations that have happened for you in your life and find the greatness in those, right? No matter how bad they were, can you find the gifts that came out of that? Why those made you who you are right now? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the hard work is going, where am I not owning my life? Maybe it was, a, maybe it's where you grew up. Maybe it's it's a situation that happened and keep reliving um, something that, that you're in fear of that happened to you when you were 13 that you don't want to happen again, but you keep making decisions based upon that. And I'll give you, like, an example. One of my good friends, you know, he's in his, um, his mom's funeral. And he went up to his dad and said something he was young and he said uh i like he repeated this like he just kind of stood there he didn't say anything and his dad kind of in this act of you know fear terror you know this is going to be what it is just he he goes well you're not going to say i'm sorry or uh, 
you know, condolences or something. Like, his dad just, you know, he was in a grieving state. And it, and it really impacted him for his entire life, like, to the point where he never wanted to misstep and feel that feeling again because of the way it made his dad feel. He went up to him, but he didn't make that that proper thing that he should have done. He always wanted to be the right. And what he realized later is that every conversation that he walked into, every moment that he walked into, was based upon not wanting to feel that feeling that he felt in that moment around his dad. You know, his dad didn't have the tools to know that he was hurting too. You know, but he was looking at it from this, this aspect of him himself. Mm-hmm. And when we can find those patterns of why we do things, we get to change those patterns within ourselves. We get to say, oh, I don't want to base it off not wanting to go back there. I get to change this now. I get to make a new story of where I am. So, so it's like, what did he learn from that, right? It's like he was timid his whole life because of one situation. Now he gets to kind of now stand in his power and his flame and go, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tow around situations anymore. I'm going to walk into them because this is my goal and my dream and I get to work and help people. Mm-hmm. And so that shifted his whole perspective on where he was, on how he was showing up and it's around people. Yeah. So, wow. but that. it's also gonna... looking at what happens in life that you can shift perspectives on what had superpowers you have right now that you can share with the world. And that's a fun thing to uncover. Is it hard sometimes? Sure. But once you do, you recognize that that's who you are and these are the things that, that happened so that you can be the man or woman you are today. Oh my gosh. Like, sky's the limit. And that's what I love working with people on. Is, you know, I, 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 I've had these opportunities to see people like rise above and own their situations and watch all these gifts, universal gifts come into their lives because they decided to step into their own power. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. I love how you would like empower people. Like, yeah, that's that's incredible um, because like I feel like we have that in common with like, being a teacher. Like when when a student doesn't know, like we were going over subtraction um, one year and he could not get it at all. And then eventually he got it. And it's like that aha moment in his head is like the coolest feeling ever to, to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, and we, you know what? And that's our inner child. And I love the fact that you're, you're bringing it to elementary school kids. You know, my daughter's nine, mm-hmm. you know, and I see her struggle sometimes, but here's the, here's the piece is we all have that inner child that needs to be loved. Yeah. With, that hasn't that hasn't been seen, right? That hasn't mm-hmm. been been recognized and encouraged in some way, shape, or form. And when we can see our own inner child and 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 and, and hug him or her and say it's okay, then we get to own that part of ourselves, right? There was a mm-hmm. point when I was in elementary school and I was scared and I was sensitive and. I didn't know what to do, and I was just like, what's going on? I just, ah, it was just so, and I was like, I decided I'm going to, like, get fired up and move towards this crazy goal of becoming a man's man and build my body and be a great athlete. And the compassion and, 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 and do all these things that I was supposed to do to be successful and liked. And what I forgot to do along the way is be compassionate with myself. And what, what I forgot 
is in what I realized later is when you don't have that compassion for yourself or your little child, you don't have that compassion for the others around you. And it's really important to recognize it in ourselves first so we can feel it, so we can be held. And then we get to give it to the world. And that's what people want is to be seen mm-hmm. for who they are. Yeah, wow. You have just like blown my mind so much So in this last 50, however many minutes. But um, yeah, just yeah, thank you. I'm not keeping track of time. <laughs> Well, yeah, just thank you so much for for all like the the wisdom that you have and that you're willing to share with others and yeah, just thank you so much. Mm, thank you. Thanks so much for letting me be here and opening yourself up to this, you know, to to your fears as well. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's a huge thing. You you showing that and teaching that to your audience, that's the biggest gift I think you can you can give to them. It's, is being that vulnerable, amazing, powerful woman you are, right? And and knowing that you're moving forward to hurt your dreams. Mm-hmm. That's what this is, is, is supporting each other and, and learning from our own individual stories. So thank you. Yeah. Um, do you want to say any last words or like how um, my audience could reach you? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I, like I said, you know, I mentioned earlier, you could check out my website, com is um, my website. Instagram is Coach Chris Lord, and uh, same thing with, um, with Facebook. But um, you can do a free breathwork class if you like, um, a discovery call to see if coaching is something that is for you. I've got a bunch of courses coming out in the new year, like owning your story and setting boundaries for optimal success and happiness. A ton of retreats that we're going to start setting up if you want a whole weekend transformation. Um, but yeah, everything's on the website. It's all there for you. So um, I'd love to help in any way I can, be in service however I can. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.